This is the Plant Yourself Podcast. I'm Howard Jacobson of plantyourself.com and the Big Change Program with Josh Lajani. This podcast is part of my mission to help you live a powerful and passionate life. So a couple of quick things before we get to today's interview. First of all, if you are not on my mailing list, you should get on my mailing list. And to bribe you to get on my mailing list, I'm going to give away the Slippery Slope Report. This is how to avoid the slippery slope when you start changing your habits, your diet, your health behaviors. You know, you're doing great for a little while, and then there's that little slip up, and then everything goes to hell. Maybe it's happened to you in the past, maybe many times, where... You don't even notice that you start on the slippery slope, but then after a little while, you're on the bottom and the top seems so far away, you just give up. If you want to prevent that from happening ever again, or maybe you feel like you're at the bottom of a slippery slope and you kind of want to get started with a little bit more skill and assurance that you're going to stay on track this time, get the slippery slope report. It's good stuff, good science, written as concisely and entertainingly as I possibly could. And you can get it at plantyourself.com slash slippery dash slope. That's slippery hyphen slope. Everything's lowercase. And when you get that, you'll also get onto my newsletter list, which I send out every uh, week or two whenever I think of something that I think you'll like. Okay, second thing is I want to tell you a little bit about what's coming up on the podcast over the next month or so. I've got five episodes in the can ready to be published, including Anthony Massiello whom I met when I went out with the Missing Chins Run Club to run the Leadville Marathon in Heavy Half in June. And he's got an amazing story of losing a lot of weight, gaining his health, and becoming a plant-based advocate in his communities in central New Jersey. Also coming up is a conversation with the co-founder of the Stanford Inn, Jeff Stanford. It's, um, I believe, still the only completely vegan full-service resort anywhere. It's uh, on the California coast, and Jeff's got a real interesting balance of science and spirituality to share with us. It was a really interesting conversation, and at the end, I wangled an invitation for me and my family to go out there, so mission accomplished. Uh, I also have a conversation coming up with um, previous guest Sid Garza-Hillman, who's written a new book called Raising Healthy Parents, and it's applying his approaching the natural and small step strategies to being a better parent by being a better parent, by being a better person, by being healthier, by taking care of ourselves before we just think about what we can do for our families. Also a conversation with pediatric psychiatric nurse uh, Elizabeth Winings, whom I met at Plantstock and who is just like me, a geek on behavior change. And she's got really, really interesting stories about helping people yeah, with, with diet, and certainly when people are out of uh, mental health crises approaching the diet, but how to look holistically at their lives and at what resources can be brought to bear to help people get out of crisis so they can begin to explore deeper modes of healing. Wonderful conversation. She's a real bright spirit, and I think you'll be inspired. And a couple days ago, I had the privilege of interviewing a couple of New York Times best-selling authors, Bill Burnett and Dave Evans, who wrote the book Designing Your Life. And it's really a book about sort of life and career, but we got into a lot of health stuff as well. But then we kind of got back into life and career, because one of the things I've discovered 
is that when people make real progress, say coaching with me or with a big change program, that they often begin to feel constricted or constrained or dissatisfied or not fully realized in other areas of their life. And now they have the energy and the focus and the positivity and optimism to begin to attack those areas. So I think this interview will be useful for folks on both of those levels. Plus, I've got about 10 interviews on the calendar in the next three weeks. So what I'm looking at now is a backlog probably through mid-January or early February 2018, unless I do what I did last week, which is to double up to do a Tuesday and a Friday show, which I would love to do. I'd love to move to two a week. I tried it once before and I found it unsustainable. But at that point, I wasn't getting any patronage. Now I'm up to basically $425, $430 a month from Patreon. And if I, if I can get that to 1000 I think I can move to two episodes a week and feel good about it. So if you haven't yet become a patron, you can just go to plantyourself.com and look for the Patreon button on the right sidebar and throw us a few bucks a month to help support everything that I'm doing here. Of course, there's the hard costs of hosting and website and all that, but there's also all of my time. And I hope it's clear how much time I put into preparing for the interviews. Uh, you know, I'm still not that great at post-production editing. Uh, maybe even hiring someone to do that would be great. But, uh, you know, this is a labor of love, and I would love to double it. And so if you want to throw some of your love in the mix, that would be awesome. All right, let's talk about today's guest. Rip Esselstyn is the founder of Engine 2, and he's really well-known. So I don't feel like I need to tell you very much about him. His dad, Caldwell Esselstyn, is the author of uh, Prevent and Reverse Heart Disease. So Rip already has a pedigree in, uh, in plant-based nutrition advocacy and education and research. And when he became a firefighter after a long and distinguished career as a triathlete, he discovered that some of his brothers in the fire department were close to death's door, considering their cholesterol, their weight, their blood pressure. And in order to help them out, he taught them about plant-based diet. And that led to an intervention at the Engine 2 Firehouse, which led to publicity, which led to book interest, which led to a book, which led one thing to another until Rip is now guiding the Engine 2 empire as it's become closely associated with Whole Foods Market, which has become a subsidiary of Amazon.com, and the sky's the limit. Mostly what I wanted to talk to rip about was my experience at the 2017 Plant Stock, their signature event, which has been held for the last several years at the Esselstyn Family Farm in Claverack, New York. And I've been, I think, three or four times now, and this one just blew me away in its spirit, in how inspiring it was to a, a number of my friends, clients, and students whom I had urged to attend. And I just kind of wanted to debrief what went into making it so special and what can we learn from it, the rest of us in the plant-based movement, as we want to go ahead and grow and change hearts and minds. To set the stage for that discussion, I'm going to jump in with a conversation I had with one of my client slash students whom I invited to attend Plant Stock, who was really blown away. His name is Daron Avizov. He'll tell you about his own journey, uh, his own journey to health and to happiness and how Plant Stock this year played a role in it. And then we will get to the interview with Rip after that. Hey, Daron, I wanted to explore with you a uh, an experience that we both 
had last month in uh, in August at uh, the Engine 2 annual plant stock. Um, I had gone a few years, and I suggested that you attend, and we both had a really profound experience. And since it was your first time and you were being really sort of articulate and philosophical and very, very grateful, I would love to hear from you what your experience of plant stock was like. And I think we're, we're going to be recording this as an intro to the conversation I have with Rip Esselstyn um, about what his vision has been, because I've seen it morph and change and grow. So uh, first of all, why don't you just tell us a little bit about who you are so we know who's going to be telling us about plant stock. IT consultant. And uh, for the last three years, I've been on a journey uh, exploring health and nutrition. Uh, started three years ago and my wife, was diagnosed with cancer, and I'm not a medical professional. I, I wanted to uh, see what I can do to help, um, and all my research led towards nutrition and lifestyle. Uh, sadly, she's no longer with us, but I'm still on this journey and still learning and still taking things in and attending events like Plant Stock, and my life is a heck of a lot better for it. Well, when I, to- when I told you about Plant Stock and you looked it up, what were you thinking uh, when you were trying to decide? What did, what did it look like it was going to be? What did you think you were going to get out of it? So uh, I guess I had low expectations. Uh, while the event looked fantastic and looked like it had attracted some marvelous speakers in the past, you know, T. Colin Campbell and Dr. Greger and Neil Bernard, Barnard was on the docket for this year, and, of course, Dr. Esselstyn, you know, I, I've I've either read their books or attended some of their lectures and, and you know, thought all that stuff is fantastic. Uh, but I've already been been uh, consuming, you know, their materials for for a while now. I've already read Whole, and um, you know, I'm already watching a lot of Dr. Greger's videos on NutritionFacts.org, and uh, I'm I'm actually uh, just wrapping up a, a wellness forum health class in which I've already heard Dr. Esselstyn lecture, uh, Neil Bernard lecture, um, and I've already. Uh, Based on everything I've studied until now, I've already started living a, a, a plant-based lifestyle. So I wasn't really sure that I would get too much new information, um, but there was a whole flip side that I didn't anticipate that really blew me away and, and more than justified coming. Um, so what what was that? Well, I mean, ultimately ended up coming. I mean, having read all these books and attended lectures already, I really just trusted you, and you said I should go, and I'm like, all right, I'm going. I'll get to see Howard again, and I'll get to meet Josh Lajani. And I'm uh, in the big change program with Josh and Howard, and I thought it would be great to meet Josh in, in person and go for a run with him. Um, what I got out of it was not, you know, new science. I mean, yeah, there was some new science for me that I hadn't already heard, and it was all, it was all wonderful, but it was, it was the whole other side beyond just academics and facts and research. It was, it was meeting people. It was community. It was hearing how other people's lives have been touched. It was seeing the impact it's had on them or their families or their communities and, and changes that people are really working to make in this world. Um, it, I went from being just, you know, like this lone soldier who's, you know, living at home with his son, trying his best to, you know, get us healthy food, even though, you know, we're surrounded by McDonald's or Burger King on every corner. And, you know, your, your typical doctor says, oh, it doesn't matter what you eat, you know, just have your fish oil and avoid red meat or something. You know, you're surrounded with this nonsense, and it just feels like a, an uphill battle and a struggle. And like, oh, there's other people out there who've dealing with the same issues. And not only that, there's other people that are actually doing something about it. 
you know, trying to make, you know, better education available to doctors in medical schools or, you know, various outreach programs or programs like plant stock and programs like immersion and, and wow. So it, 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 I went from being just an isolated guy, you know, with a, you know, with a struggle of, you know, just me and my health coach or just me and my little big change running group to, wow, there's a whole lot of us and there's a whole lot going on. So, uh, it was really inspiration. I got a lot of inspiration. Uh, I got a lot of connections. I got where to go from here, you know, uh, organizations I can look into, trainings I can look into. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, really just, just a big pick-me-up. And, and um, you know, I think some of the most moving things were, were the non-speakers. So a big draw for us to come and meet Josh Lajani face-to-face and hear him speak and, and maybe get to go for a run with him. Uh, and that was fantastic. You know, I love seeing his presentation, loved hearing him speak, loved having dinner with him. But uh, I think the, the biggest achievement that Josh had going for him that is an inspiration to anyone and everyone who's switched to a plant-based lifestyle is that not only, you know, it's one thing to do your own, your own uh, you know, uh, reboot of your own life and get your own health back and drop 100 or 200 or 300 pounds and that's wonderful. I'm not taken away from that. But to be able to share that with others and be an influence and, and meet Josh's mom and Josh's wife, you know, who both have lost over, I think, 100 pounds each without Josh having to, you know, twist their arm or threaten them. I mean, that to me was, was one of the most inspiring things I met. It, Josh uh, or his mom said that their family had collectively lost over 1,000 pounds since Josh got involved in, in plant-based living. Um, and, and that's huge because we all want that. I want my parents to live a long time. I want, you know, my niece and my nephew to, you know, stop drinking dairy. And, and, you know, we all want this for our families and, and to see that, you know, to meet people, Hey, they aren't just doing this for themselves, but, but, you know, actively got their families to join on board. That was huge inspiration. You know, it, it's not just about having a better life for yourself. It's about having a better life for your for your family, for your loved ones, from your friends, for your neighbors, it, and uh, so that that was just probably the biggest deal for me is is meeting Josh's family, even though they didn't speak and they didn't present. But when you can get, you know, when you're the kind of guy that inspires your whole family to get on board and uh, do this with you, and uh, for their own lives and their own sanity and their own health, like wow, that that's that's who I want to be, and that's that's what I want to do in this world. So. W- what what about the weekend um, made it possible for you to get that kind of inspiration? Because I've been to a lot of these conferences and veg fests and workshops where it's just you know one speaker after another, and you you know you kind of take a lot of notes. But there, I agree, and I and I can't figure it out. So it's, I'm actually I'm, I'm asking you not as a leading question, but, but because I'm really curious, what. What things did you see? You, you've, you know, you've done the Kripalu things, so you're, you're no stranger to kind of weekend educational self-help, betterment, health types of things. Like, what did you see them do that was particularly useful in getting you that kind of, of inspiration and, and energy and ongoing source of support? So, um, actually, I think the logistics of the venue and the schedule were very helpful. Uh, you know, there was the tent format, which, which worked, right? We could hear everyone, the screens, the speakers. 
but it, it was the back row, right? People that had spoken or were going to speak or families or friends were, were just hanging up behind the back row in the back, you know, between the tent and, and the creek and just sitting around or lounging. And, and uh, you know, it, it gave you a chance to go to the back and just, you know, mingle, you know, between speakers or something and, and interact. Um, it was that interaction time between the speakers that really facilitated that. And, and also the, uh, the dining table format, all the long tables, you know, together and sitting next to new people and meeting new people um that that really got you to meet and interact with people that you might not have met or interacted with so so the format that uh they came up with from engine two came up with was, was uh very beneficial in getting people to meet each other hmm. i had i hadn't thought of that but it really it really is true that with with I think almost just one exception. All of the presenters and speakers were hanging out for the whole weekend. Yep, and they yeah, were they were out, accessible. Uh, one of the doctors, I forgot her name. She was like selling, and Adam. They were they were selling stuff in the bookstore, so they weren't just speakers. Right, this isn't you know some celebrity speaker gets flown in, does his lecture and leaves. They were they were there for the entire weekend. They were interacting with everyone. They were you know at the bookshop. They were doing signings. Um, uh, even, you know, when they were standing in the corner before or after their own little session, and, and everyone just made themselves available to interact with, with guests. Um, and, and that made the difference, right? You know, if you want to discuss something personal, you know, you're giving a lecture to 500 people, maybe it's not relevant for 500 people to hear it, but the fact that they made themselves available before and after was huge. And that, that opened up a lot. Um, other speakers I got a lot of, uh, actually, I don't remember her name, but she was the one that um, had the uh, American College of Lifestyle Medicine. Uh, she was a wealth Susan of Susan Benegas? Yeah. yeah. She was a wealth of information. After I, her session, I walked up to her, and I got more information about, you know, uh, what her organization offers for people who are not doctors. Uh, she gave me information on... Uh, you know, uh, finding out about accredited coaching, you know, for health coaches, an international consortium of health and wellness coaches and how to become an accredited health coach. Uh, so there, there was just, and there was the mingling after the sessions that really en enabled all that. And the format of we're all there in the same relatively confined space, right? You're either in the tent or in the vendor area, you know, or in the tables in between and, you know, it wasn't like a, you know, like a Kripalu where you could wander off to any one of the yoga studios or an Omega where there's, you know, buildings spread all over the campus. So having us in proximity of each other and having the speakers and attendees just be around each other for, for the weekend made a really big difference and, and really, um, you know, made it easy for me to get inspired both, you know, during the sessions and in between. So you, you mentioned some of the speakers, and you mentioned Josh and his wife and mother. Were there other people that you just sort of met as attendees who you connected with and, and found value in the interactions? Yeah. Uh, I met other podcasters. I met other attendees. Actually, another person that really inspired me, that it's, it's so funny. She wasn't, you know, billed as, as a, you know, as a, her, her story wasn't the, the case story. But, you know, Dr. Esselstyn talked about, you know, his case studies person who has never spoken about was was Anne Esselstyn. I mean, this woman, right, is... That's Essie's uh, wife. Essie's wife, yeah. She's 82 years old, running around, you know, acting like the good hostess. I got to bring this over there, bring that over here, talk to this person, take care of that. You know, hosting 500 people in her house, uh, 
you know, she's not on a walker, not on the cane, no oxygen tank, you know, no meds that I know of, and, you know, got the spirit and spunk of a teenager. You know, who doesn't want that for themselves? You know, it, it's one thing to, to say, that, you know, to get up there and say, yeah, I've got this many patients, and they put them on this diet, and this was the result, and now they no longer need their stents, or they no longer need to, uh, you know, get angioplasty, or they no longer need these pills. And that's wonderful, you know, and uh, thankfully that's not me, so I'm not, you know, I'm not a cardiac patient anyway. But it, it's it's beyond the no longer needing meds or no longer needing, you know, procedures. It's, by the way, you can, you know, live to live this lifestyle, live to, you know, be in your 80s and be running around and, and hosting hundreds of people and running events and be active. You know, I, I don't think I saw her sitting in a rocking chair at all the entire weekend, and that's the stereotype that we have with elderly folks. So, so yeah, a huge part of the weekend was really just being in the presence of the Esselstons, and, you know, watching SC drive his golf cart, watching Ann run around. You know, and and I want that for myself. I want to age gracefully. I, I want I want to you know be active in my 80s. I want my parents to have that. I want my friends to have that. So, uh, yeah, you know, even if Ann didn't get up and speak, you know, do a little cooking demo, Jane. It was she's just phenomenal, and and it was great. You know, I spoke to her a little bit, hearing how she's been living this way for 35 years, and uh, I'm looking forward to doing the same. So there's something you know the the um the workshop high that you get on the last day or last hours of the workshop where everyone, you know, then that's when people go around with the cameras to get your testimonials and people are glowing and then they return home. And, you know, like two days later, the feelings worn off and two weeks later, they can't remember that, you know, anything they heard. And three weeks later, they can't even remember having been there. Um, We've talked a little bit about the fact that this, experience has continued to ripple and impact your life. Can you talk about like what now looking back, what is it like three weeks, uh, three weeks on, like what, are, what are the, the, the benefits that you can still feel and how, how has it um, you know, informed your, your journey? So uh, little things. And actually one of the big little things that I think SU would be proud of is that one of my key takeaways was that oh, oil really is bad. <laughs> it's really bad. You know, because you can look at, you know, the Campbell plan or the Forks Over Knife plan, Dr. Gregor Cam, you know, plan or Pam Popper, and everyone says the same thing, you know, get rid of your, your oil, your you know, olive oil, your canola, they're all bad. But it, it didn't really hit home until I was looking at the Engine 2 plan when Rip mentioned, you know, either plant perfect or plant strong. Both are good. You don't have to be perfect. Just plant strong is fine. And you look at the difference, that, you know, whether it's plant perfect or plant strong, both say avoid oil, period. It, it's non-negotiable. You know, plant perfect maybe gets into what, some soy or tempeh, but either way, even if you're just plant strong, you're still avoiding oil. So that, that message really, really hit home. I'm like, oh, so I've, I've been greatly uh, reduced oil. Actually, I don't add it to anything at all. And I'm working pretty hard to make sure anything I bring into the house doesn't have any added oils, uh, which actually uh, now has me buying more Engine 2 products. Uh, <laughs> I went to Whole Foods, and of all the granola, of all the various brands in the store, the only one brand that has granola with no added oil is Engine 2. Same with the hummus section. I'm Israeli. I live on hummus. The only hummus in all of Whole Foods with no oil is Engine 2. So I'm, 
I, I'm a little surprised that, you know, it's one thing if it was just Dr. Esselstyn and just Rip saying avoid oil, but when you're hearing it from Dr. Greg or Pam Popper or Colin Campbell or Four Server Knives, that there's, you know, if you want oil free, you got to go engine two. I'm like, okay, you know, so I'll be happy to support engine two, but I would like seeing more, more, uh, more uh, suppliers in the in Whole Foods or any supermarket making more oil free. So that that's one day to day change. I, I've stopped uh, uh, using oil at all. I actually got rid of my oil. Um, and, and I've got to say that you know, <laughs> not not to belittle anything, but I've been telling you that for years, right? And you've read it in dozens of different sources, and it took this conference to kind of get it to become a cellular reality for you as opposed to a concept. Yeah, actually, you have been telling me that for years, and I did read it in whole, and then I have seen SE on YouTube going, no oil! But I guess it, it probably wasn't until really the, the the cheat sheet from rip that says you're avoiding oil no matter what diet you're on and you know these diets you may may have some seeds or may not but i'm like got it so it really is that important i, I know i just it is somehow sunk in, in in the way rip presented it but yeah it, it plant stock is where, where it's sunk in okay i'm really not going to have oil ever again or you know do what i can to make sure i you know get close to none of it as possible um so that that's been one thing that that has really made a difference um, and also to keep it oil-free, I'm also cooking a lot more since you really can't buy anything prepared without oil. Um, so that's another thing that's come out on a you know uh, impact in my life difference. Uh, the other thing that was a really big deal for me is regarding my son. I, I would love for him to embrace you know plant-based foods. Um, I you know I sneak in stuff you know make him chickenless nuggets at home or, or uh, you know, meat, you know, soy alternative products, which may not be the best stuff for you, but they're, you know, definitely better than, you know, a slab of beef or some bacon or something. Um, but the movie that we're not supposed to mention, what movie it was that, you know, showed uh, athletes and, and uh, top physical, you know, uh, you know gold medalists, uh, champions, achievers, showing how many athletes are now embracing a plant-based lifestyle. That, that's a big deal for me. Uh, I'm going to wait for that to come out and I'm going to make my son sit and watch it. So, uh, yeah, just, um, I'm, one of the things that I'm still living day to day is, okay, we can improve our athletic performance. My son's on the football team. He's really excited about that. He's the wide receiver. He's a running back. He's, a, he's playing a bunch of positions and I'm, I'm not giving up hope on, on having him, uh, you know, embrace plant-based eating. So I'm going to be looking to, you know, plant stock and, and the speakers and, and the books and the affiliates to see what nuggets I can pick up that will appeal to a, you know, 13-year-old or a high school kid who doesn't really care about, you know, preventing prostate cancer or doesn't really care about, you know, cardiac health, you know, uh, improvements that's not relevant to a teacher, uh, to a teenager. So, uh, uh, yeah, uh, it, it, the, the conference might have been three weeks ago, and it might not be all fresh in my head, but um, the messages came. And I think the image, actually, the, well, the funniest thing, the image that's still in my head was that one slide uh, the doctor from Hawaii showed, um, the poop slide, <laughs> fossilized paleo. You, you, Dr. Ehrman of... Um, yeah, that that was just a funny image. Um, and and uh, like, oh, paleo people had 60 grams of fiber a day. 
If you eat 60 grams of fiber a day, you probably will be way too full to have any meat, even if it's offered to you. So that that was, uh, uh, not that I get into too many paleo debates, but it's nice to have that piece of information. And, and the other thing about her lecture that was you know, entertaining and, and also relevant was, you know, when, when a doctor gets up there and starts talking about farting in the bathroom and, and you know, body odor and showering, it's like, you know, this, this is, we're talking lifestyle. You know, we're talking, this can impact every aspect of your life, not just making dinner. So, uh, yeah, plant stock, it, it was several weeks ago, and, you know, it, it might not be the freshest in my mind, but it, I, I'm still living an impact. You know, I'm still, you know, not having oil. Um, and is, the funny thing is, uh, um, you know, I've been weaning myself off of animal products for about a year but it was uh it was Essie's slide the um, he had a slide of a you know, cross section of a of a muscle of a quadricep you know triathletes 40 and 7 year old plant based versus a sedentary person and I'm like I cannot eat that crap ever again <laughs> I don't want my internals to look like that and I'm not going to live a sed I'm actually taking this call on my treadmill desk uh, yeah, so everything I got was inspiring, that I'm able to work a day job and working on my treadmill desk, or that I'm able to eat healthy, make healthy decisions, and that I'm looking forward to, you know, more materials coming out that will hopefully be relevant to a teenager and get him on board. So uh, the weekend, from my perspective, for me, was a huge success. Um, awesome. I know the uh, Engine 2 folks will be thrilled to, to hear this. I think you've given them a lot of of kudos, but also a lot of pointing out what they've done well, because, you know, it's, it's, it's really easy to collect sort of constructive criticism, but more useful is sometimes when you hear the specifics of what worked, so you can kind of expand on that. And I know next year they're going to be down in, I think, my neck of the woods in North Carolina. Um, so I hope, I hope you'll, you'll make the trip, and I hope a lot of people who are listening to this will also, uh, will also join us, because it is uh, a different thing out there in the plant-based world, and I'm excited to talk to Rip to find out how his vision of it has, has developed. But uh, Daron, thank you so much for, for taking the time, for sharing so generously uh, your, your praise and kudos, and uh, may you go from strength to strength. Thank you. All right, so now it's time to talk to the architect of plant stock himself. Without further ado... Rip Esselstyn, welcome to the Plant Yourself podcast. Thanks. I'm I am planted right here in my daughter's bedroom. Her name is Sophie. So if you see a lot of kind of I don't know funny stuff in the background, it's it's because I am in her bedroom. Really, you don't you don't have uh, pony stickers in your office? <laughs> Actually, here I'll, I'll I'll show you a little bit. See, you can see. Yeah, yeah it's very very kind of girly and. You see the see the see your princess dresses right there. <laughs> oh, great! <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, so you're you're clearly man enough to be comfortable in a in a girly bedroom. Hey, Howard, you understand, right? Real men eat plants, and we can handle all this stuff. Yeah, that's right. Throw it at us. Throw it at us. <laughs> so for for people who are listening to this, we're also uh, we're also doing a video, which I'll, I'll post a link to because it'll it'll be it'll be fun. But may, most people will consume oh. this audi- auditorily. Got it. Got it. Um, <laughs> so I'm really happy to have you on the podcast. And one of the reasons I haven't had you on the podcast in the past, or I haven't asked you, is that I just kind of felt like everybody knew your story. 
Like you've, uh, it's a great story. You've made um, a lot of, you know, important contributions to the movement. You've done it through, through narrative, through hard work, through marketing, through, you know, good fortune. And I wasn't sure that I had much to add, except when I just attended the last plant stock, I just got a sense that something was going on there that was really, really special. And I kind of wanted to connect with you about what the vision is for Engine 2, for plant stock, for immersions, uh, for the food line, for the connection to Whole Foods, which was just bought by Amazon. And like it, ju it just seems like you're playing a much bigger game than, than any of us has played so far. And so that's kind of where I'd like to go. But first, first, for people who have been living under a rock, Let's just start with a little, a little bit of, you know, who you are and how you came to be where you are now. Yeah. So, um, yeah, Reader's Digest version. Um, so everybody, I think, knows about my father's, you know, groundbreaking research at the Cleveland Clinic which, that hugely inspired me and motivated me to go down this path in, in 1987. And, uh, and then I fueled myself as a professional triathlete for close to a decade with a plant strong diet. That's what I like to refer to it as not, you know, vegan or vegetarian, but plant strong, whole food plant strong. And then after 10 years as a professional triathlete, I decided it was, I decided it was time to move on. And that's when I, um, decided that, uh, I would become a professional firefighter for the city of Austin, Texas. I was very fortunate to get on in 1997, uh, with, um, AFD Austin fire department. And then I spent uh, 12 years as a firefighter in Austin, Texas. After about five years there, uh, we had this kind of revelation that one of my uh, firefighting brothers was really a heart attack waiting to happen. And so uh, we kind of put him on the straight and narrow, put him on the plant strong uh, regime uh, or regiment. And uh, he had he had just, you know, amazing success. And then that led to uh, a lot of publicity about a bunch of firefighters in Austin, Texas, eating uh, eating plant-based, which led to uh, a bunch of uh, literary agents and publishing houses knocking on my door to write a book about our experience and our philosophy, and uh, and also share with share uh, a lot of our recipes. And so I wrote the Engine Two Diet Book that came out in 2009. Um, that was based upon you know kind of my journey, the medical science, um, a lot of fun anecdotal stories about getting a bunch of firefighters to do this, and then, and then about 125 recipes. And then that attracted uh, the attention of, uh, of John Mackey, the, the CEO of, of Whole Foods, and then John um, invited me to be a healthy eating partner with Whole Food Market Stores, and then that's what led to the, uh, the Engine 2 Plant Strong Food Line, it's now almost 50, we have almost 50 products in Whole Food Market stores that, and there's a few of those that are now available on Amazon.com, not all of them. Um, hopefully within the next six months to a year, all of them will be. And then, you know, because of Whole Foods, I started doing these immersion programs, these seven-day immersion programs, which is what my latest book is about, the Engine 2 Seven-Day Rescue Diet, and the best practices and all of my learnings from those and just what you can achieve in just seven short days of, of eating this way. And, uh, and then that actually gave me the confidence to then embark on 
doing weekend events, just standalone weekend events. And so I did, did the first one of those in 2011. And since 2011, I think I've, uh, myself and the engine two team have thrown probably close to 40 of these weekend events. And I know that, you know, you, we've done, we've done six plant stocks. Now you've attended three of them. Now you've been a speaker, speaker at one. And, um, yeah, so that, anyway, that's, I'll stop for a second, but that's kind of the reader's digest version of, um, yeah, of the background. Excellent. So now, now that I've, I've, said that I just want to focus on the future, I'm going to contradict myself and <laughs> ask a couple of questions that, that I find really interesting. So you said in, in 1987, you sort of adopted the plant strong diet based on your dad's research. And I think that was like the year or no, when, his book came out much later, right? No, his book didn't come out until nine, until 2007. Uh huh. So you had, you had a 20 year head start. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. On the rest of us. Um, so I'm trying to do the math. You were in your 20s yeah, then? I was about 23 and a half. So when, when did your family switch? And were you, were, you, were you living at home when this transition happened? Because your dad talks about like, a lot of his bad habits around food before he made these discoveries. Was it yeah. tumultuous to, to go through that? Well, so, um, so I, I was at the University of Texas going to school. Uh, I started, uh, that in 1982. And so, and my father didn't start his research until 84. So I heard about it over the phone. And then when I was home for spring break, for Christmas, for, you know, Thanksgiving every once in a while, and then parts of summers, I saw him throwing himself full force right into this research and, you know, making these phone calls to his patients and he and my mother eating this way. And my mom just, you know, just with her, um, big and bold and brave attitude, just, you know, trying to tackle one dish after another. And, uh, and I was like, this is so cool. This is so cool that, you know, he is trying to tackle heart disease and, you know, the number one killer of Americans and uh, and try and show that this is something that you know can be extinguished just by changing what we eat. And so, uh, in 1987, when I graduated from the University of Texas at Austin, and I didn't have to eat on the athletic training table, right, with all the the other athletes, uh, and then the steak and the chicken fried steak and the burgers and the fries and the the milkshakes and you know uh, bacon and eggs. That's when I started eating this way. Uh, you know, I, I had a, a little apartment, my own kitchen, stuff like that. But I saw Ann and Essie really walking the walk starting in 1984. Uh-huh. And did you see changes in them, in their health and their vitality? Well, so keep in mind, in, in 1984, my dad was 51. All right. Uh-huh. So uh, he he still... I didn't notice any difference in just in that there was, there was never a decline. Right. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, right. so, never... so it took, it took 30 years to realize <laughs> he's, he's still a 50 year old essentially. Well, I mean, yeah. I mean, I, you know, when I, when I'm at the farm in, in New York, you know, we go on bike rides every day that I'm there and, you know, he's hammering up, you know, these Hills that are 15% gradient, uh, hanging on my wheel. Um, you know, 
He is a he's a plant eating beast. <laughs> at eighty, almost eighty four. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Cool. So, um, and you did you didn't have in your head like all the years of training that you know triathletes eat meat. <laughs> like how did how did how easy was it to dislodge that? Well, <clears throat> it was pretty easy because. When I graduated from UT in 1986, I, uh, I immediately had my sights set on becoming a professional triathlete. <clears throat> and so I picked up all the triathlon magazines and all the literature. This is before we had, you know, internet. So it was all coming from magazines. And I realized in, in really short order by June of 1987 <clears throat> that the number one triathlete on the planet was this guy named Dave Scott, six-time winner of the Hawaii Ironman Triathlon. And this guy was a hardcore vegetarian, so hardcore that he would wash his, he would rinse his cottage cheese to get all the excessive fat off of it. Um, and so, yeah, between my father's research, you know, going back now three years, and then, you know, knowing that Dave Scott had, had won six of these Hawaii Ironman events, and this guy was like a stallion. And uh, I remember seeing him in 1980 on the Wide World of Sports on, on ABC crossing the finish line and going someday I want to, I want to do this. And he was, you know, he was finishing, um, a marathon 26.2 miles after swimming 2.4 miles and after biking 112 miles. And he was running under six minute miles in the hundred plus degree Hawaiian heat. So, and I was like, okay, man. Yeah, I'm in, I'm in, I'm going to do this. And I, you know, it's been 30 years now that I've been eating this way. Gotcha. Have you met Dave Scott? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 Dave and I, Dave and I were, um, when we competed against each other up until about 1995, 96, uh, we were, I would never say Dave and I were friends, but we were, we were acquaintances and I always looked up to Dave and really admired him tremendously. Um, and, uh, yeah, so we're, we're acquaintances. Gotcha. And I talk so about, other- yeah, in my, yeah, you know, I talk about him in my first book a lot. So the the other thing that strikes me is that you know you're you work really hard to to do the things that you do. You have a team of people around you who work really hard, but it doesn't feel like you were pushing to make all like all these things that happened, like you were describing one after the other. First we did this, and then this, and this. It it seems like, and I don't want to say it like to take away from all the hard work, but there was something. Um, not inevitable, but there was, there was like paths were opening up for you as you did the work in front of you, the next opportunity would sort of, you know, magically show up. And I'm wondering if if that's how it felt. That's a really interesting observation that you just made. And, uh, it's, it's never, I never set out, for example, to write a book, right? I, it was just, yeah, I had this passion for, uh, sharing this message to a fellow firefighting brother who was, you know, facing a heart attack. And so I shared it with him. And then, uh, the local media, you know, you know, kind of was like, Oh my God, we, you know, a bunch of firefighters eating a bunch of plants. You know, this is a great story. So they wrote a story about it and that, you know, that kind of blew up. And then that led to, you know, NPR doing a big story and it led to the New York times doing a front page article. And then that led to, literary agents going, oh, this could be a great book. 
And, uh, and I had no interest in writing a book, Howard. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I did not return one phone call, one email, although we didn't get many emails, one postcard uh, that I got from literary agents and publishing houses because I was like, ah, who am I? I'm, you know, I, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a nutritionist. I'm not a dietitian. I'm not a life coach. I got no business writing, writing a book. But at some point I decided, oh, you know what, you know, maybe, maybe I, I can throw my hat in the ring and I can make a difference and do something. And so, you know, I, I flew to New York and met with a bunch of literary agents and publishing houses. And, um, yeah, so at some point I decided, okay, I can do this. I've got the confidence. I'll make it happen. And I did this pilot study with 62 people that really was looking back on it. Uh, really the foundation of the, of the first book, the Engine 2 Diet book. So the book, I wrote the book. It came out in February of 2009. And then it just so happens, you know, that John Mackey was on his own personal journey with eating a whole food plant-based diet. And he'd read the China study. He'd read my father's book in 2007. And he was starting this scientific advisory board. Uh, he was assemb um, assembling uh, John Robbins, Joel Furman, uh, Scott Stoll, Michael Clapper, uh, because he wanted to start this healthy eating initiative that he could launch throughout all Whole Foods stores in 2010. And so he invited me, since this was taking place in Austin, Texas, and he just read, read my book, he invited me to be part of this um, assembly of all these plant-based luminaries. And I felt, I felt very honored and privileged. John McDougall was there as well. Um, and um, yeah, you know, and so it was, it was a whole Saturday, a whole day Sunday. And I remember just like, you know, I'm, I'm contributing, I'm, I'm adding value. I'm like into this. This is really fantastic what, what John is trying to initiate here and do. And then afterwards, John said, you know, Rip, let's, let's go out. Um, and have a bite to eat, and we kind of started this friendship. And then a couple months later, he said, you know what, come by the office, uh, because uh, I, I'd like to discuss some possibilities, that, uh, some different ways that we could work together. And, you know, and he's like, we, you know, what would you think about being a healthy eating celebrity, going around spreading this message? What would you think about, you know, us licensing from you, the Engine 2 Plant Strong trademarks, and doing a line of Engine 2 food products, and, um, and also throwing these immersion programs. And I was like, wow, twist my rubber arm, you know? Yeah. Um, so it wasn't, fortunately, you know, I didn't, I didn't have to go uh, soliciting myself to Whole Foods, right? It, it kind of happened the other way, you know, which was incredibly fortuitous. And then, and then from there is, is where kind of everything has, um, everything has grown from, from, from the Engine 2 Diet book and this relationship that I have with Whole Foods the immersions, the, the weekend events, plant stocks, the other books that I've written, you know, um, plant strong, the second book, uh, the seven day rescue diet. I have a fourth book coming out that I've teamed up with my sister Jane on called the engine Two cookbook. It's coming out, uh, December 26th of 2017. So, um, I think that's a really, really good observation. I, I don't feel like I've ever like pushed to, to, you know, be where I am. It's, it's kind of happened very organically and naturally. And, um, and now, you know, now my goal is, listen, I just, I want to reach as many people as possible. I want to help as many people as possible. And, um, 
you know, let's let's figure out ways to do that. And I feel like I've I've assembled a fantastic engine two team. You know, it's we're small and we're lean and we're we're very we're very mighty and we work well together. Right. So a couple of observations when you were talking about, you know, you rejecting the uh, uh, overtures from literary agents because, you know, you're not a coach or a nutritionist right, or something. Right. So I guess I can share this publicly. I, I had a great conversation with your literary agent, uh, oh, Richard. Fine. <laughs> and, yeah. and I pitched him a book a couple of years ago. And he said, well, it's a great topic, but, you know, you're a health coach. You're kind of a nutritionist. You're kind of, <laughs> you're not Rip Esselstyn. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, did I, did I, did I make the introduction with you and Richard back in the day then? Yeah, I actually, I think, I think, um, I met him at, at plant stock. Yeah. Um, and yeah. then, yeah, then, uh, another friend re reintroduced us, Peter Bregman reintroduced us. Um, but that brings me to like, so you, well, so, you were invited. Yeah. yeah but, go you know, ahead. So, so what, but that's, you, you make an interesting point and in that, you know, and it's, it's unfortunate. And I was just, I just happened to, you know, have be in the right place at the right time with the right career. And that is that, what is your platform? A lot of these literary agents and publishing houses, they want to know what is your platform and why is it unique and why can you potentially reach a lot of people? And I think that the juxtaposition of, you know, a firefighter in Austin, Texas, right? The, the, the beef eating capital of really the world, a firefighter in Austin, Texas has gotten his firefighters to eat this way. That's a pretty that's a pretty cool angle. That's a pretty cool, that's a pretty cool story. And I bet you that this guy, if he writes a, a book that's good, can get on the morning shows and, you know, get a lot of attention and, and all that. And, you know, yeah, I mean, we were on the CBS, CBS Sunday morning show, the Today Show, Dr. Oz. And so, um, again, it, it, you know, I just, yeah, it just happened. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. And it's, and you know, it's a great story. And I think the point that Richard was making to me was don't you, you're not rip, don't be rip, but use what, what you have, use what's yeah. in front of you, you know, so that in, in a sense, I think the, the ease with which it looks like you have developed this brand is, is largely related to your, to your relationship to whatever's in front of you right now. Like, you know, in, in the best sense of, of the word, you're an opportunist. Like, here's an opportunity. Let me let me give it all I've got. Yeah. Well, you know what? And, and I think it kind of goes back to that age old saying, you know, follow your passion. Right. Whatever you're passionate about, follow it, follow it. And then, you know, hopefully uh, opportunities will pre present themselves. Doors will open and the universe will will open wide for you. And, you know, when I look back just this morning as I, I was driving to swim practice in the pouring rain and I was just thinking about the last almost 32 years of my life. And I was like, you know, for 10 years after I graduated from the university of Texas, I was this professional triathlete and I followed that passion. And then I became a professional firefighter and I followed that passion for a little over a decade. And now I've been doing, you know, I wrote the Engine 2 Diet book in 2009, and I've been this healthy eating uh, advocate, and it's been almost 10 years as well. So I was just thinking back to the, my last 30 years of, of life right. and, how, and how, how really, how lucky I've been um, 
to uh, to just be to to go to work every day and, and not feeling like a job, to be excited about getting up, and uh, in many cases, um, you know, missing lunch and not feeling like you're missing lunch because you're just so engrossed in what you're doing. <laughs> right. And I'm also struck by the fact that you took you took a degree in speech communications, which has has obviously turned out to be incredibly useful for you because you know there are people there are firefighters who could have done what you did with your with your engine two group could have written a book and then could have been totally boring or scattered on when you have a two and a half minute slot uh you know on national news and obviously you know i'm sure you've practiced and probably you may have been coached and spent a lot of time in front of the mirror in front of cameras but you had a background that was like this is exactly the, you know, I don't, I don't know why I did it at the time, maybe, but this is exactly what I needed. Yeah, yeah. No, listen, uh, just <laughs> pure, pure luck, <laughs> really. <laughs> yeah, there's, yeah, there's a lot of that that goes, yeah, goes yeah. around. I yeah. wanted to ask you about the, the concept of celebrity. Like if somebody came to me and said, we'd like to make you a celebrity, like part of me would like jump for joy. Like, you know, some like an ego part. Part of me would be rationally, well, there's, you know, I, I could do good. And part of me would be terrified. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want that. Or what would that make me? Or how could I, you know, did you, what was, what were your, your feelings around that concept? Because, you know, you're the guy who's, who's wearing the, 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 the fire engine suit on the products, right? Every yeah. day I open my fridge and you're there. It's like, that makes yeah. you a celebrity. <laughs> well, it's funny how, <clears throat> um, I certainly don't consider myself a celebrity. I don't consider, I mean, you know, even though I'm on some, you know, cereal boxes and, and whatnot, uh, I just don't, uh, I, I don't ever, I don't know. It, 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 it doesn't, I don't think about it that much. I mean, I remember when like the first product came out, I think it might've been one of the, the rips big bowl cereals. And, you know, we, I got the packaging and everything. I was super excited. Um, but, but now it's kind of like, okay, I get excited about launching another product, but not seeing myself on it. Um, and, and sometimes, you know, I'm walking through airports or I'm walking, you know, uh, through stores and somebody will say, I, aren't you that firefighter from forks over knives? I mean, it happened, you were out to dinner and usually we go out to dinner and it's, you know, it's a plant friendly restaurant and people come up and they want to have a selfie or a photo, which, uh, very, very much irritates my wife. Uh, <laughs> but I just, uh, I, you know, I kind of just go, go with the flow with it all. I don't consider myself, you know, a celebrity in the least, but, uh, I just feel like I'm doing, I'm doing, I'm doing good work. And, uh, and just trying to, trying to reach a lot of people. And, you know, when I said that it was John, I don't know if John's exact words were, you know, a, a, a healthy eating celebrity, but it, you know, something to that effect. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. Well, so far I haven't seen any stories about you in TMZ. So I think you're, you're, you're <laughs> under saying, the radar. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, so you, you kind of laid out a, a trajectory to, to where you are now. And looking back, it looks like, you know, you had like a team of systems engineers coming up with like, here, first we're going to do this and then we're going to do this. And it all, it all has grown very logically. And now you're think you're, you're looking toward the future and building it 
Um, tell me, am, am I wrong or was this last plant stock, did it come out of a, like a different sense, a different consciousness about what you and what the Engine 2 team can, can provide to the world? Because I have sort of vague flutterings and theories, but something very special happened that I hadn't seen in the same way before. I'm wondering if you could, you know, articulate that for me. Yeah. I think that was a combination of a lot of, a confluence of a lot of things that came together uh, for that particular plant stock that made, that made that magic happen. And I completely agree with you. I mean, I, I walked away after that weekend going, wow, that was, that was amazing. That was special. And a lot of times I'm, beating myself up because I'm like, ah, we should have done this and we should have done this. And <laughs> I can't believe we had issues with this and that. <clears throat> but, um, you know, I, I listened to that uh, podcast that you had with that one, uh, one of the guys you coached who went to, yeah. to plant stock yeah. <clears throat> and, it, and, it, and it was really valuable, but it made me think about, so you got a lot of things going on there. You know, obviously it's on the Esselstyn family farm that's been around since 1675. Uh, and so, and the property is, is pretty, is pretty grand, right? I mean, 500 pristine acres of, uh, you know, rural farmland, very bucolic, uh, in the Hudson Valley area. That's, that's fantastic. You got the big old homestead house, right? With, you know, however many 11 bedrooms and everything that's, you know, fantastic. But then you, you've got, you've got it, that huge 13,000 square foot, you know, tent, with eight 37 foot high, you know, tent poles. And underneath that, we've got tables and chairs for 600 people. And there wasn't one bad seat in the house. And that was, that took a lot of planning. And, you know, we had all the aisles were incredibly wide. Nobody <clears throat> felt like they were, you know, um, claustrophobic or constricted. Your floor, wasn't a, it wasn't like, it was the earth. It was mother earth, right? It was this beautiful, amazing grass. We had two big jumbotron, you know, screens, uh, that were, that were up there. Uh, wonderful stage. We got somebody that was perfect for the, uh, for the acoustics, right? So the acoustics was like right on the money. Everybody could hear fantastically fantastically well you've got the little creek that flows through the backyard you know 20 yards from the back of the tent and then you know we, we have these you know especially that one saturday night dinner <clears throat> that's right underneath the stars that served you and so instead of being under the tent for another <clears throat> hour or hour and a half you get to go to these different tables meet different people, <clears throat> be served this great meal, and just completely relax and kick back. And then the speakers over the weekend were just, they knocked it out of the park. Everybody was fantastic. And then, we, you know, we had some really high-level people. We had John Mackey from, from Whole Foods. We had the, uh, the Saudi prince, right, uh, Khaled bin Alawid from Hawaii. We had Ermina Van Dyken, my, you know, the Esselstyn clan. My father, my mother, Jane, myself, my brother, his wife, and I mean, it's just um, there's so many things that come together that uh, that made this one just right on the money. And then, of course, you, whenever you have a, a huge crowd of people, 
right? That, that brings up the energy and, and makes you feel like, wow, this is, this is happening. <clears throat> um, right. and so, yeah, so, I mean, uh, so and it was our, in, in Howard, it was our sixth year doing it. I mean, it took a while to get it all right. I mean, we had, we had porta potties, we had, you know, we had two trailers that brought in and served all the meals from those 18 wheel, you know, 18 wheelers. You know, we, we had, um, generators, we had dumpsters, we had ice that was delivered. I mean, the logistics to put that thing on are insane. <laughs> right. Right. I could, I could sense that and nothing, nothing was behind the curtain. You know, everyone could see you <laughs> right. know, all of the stuff that went on. So I want to share with you, like some of the things that I noticed that I really felt were sort of moving the movement forward. So yeah. one was more than any other event I've been to in the plant-based world, not say, not say ethical vegan, but plant-based health focused, this had gender parity. Like there yes. were, it yes. wasn't, it wasn't the men are standing up telling us what to think and the women are showing us how to braise kale. <laughs> no, you're exactly right. And that was, uh, that was plant. I mean, I shouldn't say that was planned, but we definitely in the past have been um, more more skewed male. And so, you know, we wanted <clears throat> to bring in <clears throat> a lot of women speakers. And so I think we actually had uh, at the end of the day, we had eight. We had eight women speakers. I think we had maybe 10 different male speakers altogether. And probably a handful of those were, you know, success stories. But, yeah, um, the women were awesome. And we're going to continue to make uh, plant stock woman strong. Right on. And from, you know, from uh, from the doctors, from Ermina and uh, Sarai, I mean, yep. just, yep. you know, the I think in our culture, we still have a bias that, you know, that, oh, the, oh, the woman, oh, are you the nurse? Ermina. You know, right, and they, right, they right. were so authoritative. Yeah. And yeah. and their personal stories were, you know, also in, in, in concert. I think it was a, you know, just great, great optics. And it I think it helped. I'm, I'm imagining that there were young women or girls or daughters of people who attended who are going to see themselves as future plant strong physicians and researchers and advocates because they could see those role models. Yeah. No, I'm glad I'm glad you made that observation. And you're right. That was one of the things. That, that was special about it was the, the gender parity. Yeah. <laughs> um, so the, the other thing was just a barrage of people who were telling their stories of, of personal transformation. And it included the, the doctors, right? The, uh, right, but, right, right. Right. But it, yeah, so, it was, so it was a feeling, I think people who came really had a feeling of this is within my grasp. Right. And I'm wondering how, you know, I feel like there's a lot more of that and less, mm -hmm. less sort of teaching the science and much more of the, the human element. And even, you know, your dad is Mr. Science, right? He's like the yeah. epitome of the science. And he gave a talk about winning the, the gold medal in the Olympics. He, he's like it, the whole thing. It felt like a, a real push to humanize and to make everyone accessible. Yeah, you know what? Um, let me let me touch upon that because I think that's one of the things that we really we wanted um, is <clears throat> we wanted everybody to have access to almost all the speakers. And outside of Neil Barnard, 
who had a, a prior commitment and so had to get, basically give his talk and then leave. Everybody was there. Everybody was there the whole weekend, right? Whether it was the Saudi prince, whether it was John Mackey, whether it was, you know, Sarai Stanzik, Ermina Van Dyken. Um, everybody was there and they were roaming around and they were just, you know, having a fantastic time. And so everybody had access to all the speakers and the speakers were having just as much fun from as all the participants. So really it was like this, you know, it was plant stock, right? It was plant stock mm -hmm. in the, it was a reincarnation of Woodstock, but plant stock in the, you know, in, in the flesh there. And, um, yeah, and that's one of the things that I, you know, I want to continue to to make uh, special and unique about Engine Two is that feeling of accessibility, that feeling of of, of family, uh, um, of just keeping this this message, uh, the plant based message, very very simple and doable. Uh, and you know, next year we're we're not going to be uh, at the family farm. We're going to take, take a break from the family farm. I think that it's a it was a it was a winning experience for everybody, <clears throat> and um, as my father likes to say, sometimes it's you know it's nice to leave when you're most welcome. So I think <laughs> we're gonna we're we're gonna we're gonna leave um, we're gonna leave Claverack and we're gonna go and and try a, a whole new experience in the in the Black Mountains of of North Carolina uh, near 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 Asheville. Yeah. Yeah. Are you now? Why the uhu? Are you near there? Yeah, three hours away. Well, okay. Yeah, there you go. So we're going to be at the Blue Ridge Assembly um, YMCA. It's this old YMCA that was built in 1906. It's on 1,500 acres, and it is it's amazing. I mean, all the different the 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 buildings, the dormitories, uh, the way you are truly in touch with nature. Um, and we're going to create a completely different plant stock experience. We're going to have many more speakers. We're going to have uh, a lot of, I'll just refer to them now as breakout sessions where you can pick from different people mm. to go see. It's going to be much more outdoorsy. And, and we're actually bringing the price point down so that the um, accommodations are included in the price. So it's almost the exact same price for the economy room as we were charging people at plant stock. Um, so, uh, you know, we hope to get 700 people and we hope to blow it up and, uh, and, and, and create a whole new plant stock that people adore just as much as the last one. Right. So who are, who are the types of people that you are thinking about serving when you sit down and plan the next one? Like what's the, you know, there's a bunch of people that I met this year who had been in previous years. They sort of come. It's like going to church. You know, you know the basics yeah. of the sermon, but it's important to hear it anyway. There were a lot of people who were coming for the first time, just really kind yeah. of desperate to improve their health. So what, what, are, what are like your avatars for the people who you're, you're trying to serve? Well, you know, it's interesting. So, you know, after Forks Over Knives came out in 2011, I think the majority of people that came to an Engine 2 event had seen Forks Over Knives. They were inspired by the lifestyle and, um, and they wanted to do a deeper dive by coming, coming to one of our, our events. Um, and then back then, we also, you know, we partnered with, uh, with Brian Wendell with Forks Over Knives to help uh, market the Engine 2 events. But I, and I would say that 
primarily, you know, our demographic is typically um, 60% are women, maybe 65% are women between the ages of, of, uh, of, of 35 and, and 60. Uh, and a lot, a lot of times they're, you know, they're, they're unfortunately dragging their husbands there. Um, yeah, I saw, I saw, I saw a lot of boot, size 11 skid marks in the parking lot. <laughs> That's good. But, um, you know, at this last plant stock, uh, I asked, you know, we did, we did a survey monkey afterwards. And then during the event, I asked how many people are here for, you know, your, your, your sixth year, fifth year, fourth year, third year, second year, and your first year. 82% of the people, roughly, their first time at plant stock. Uh, so we didn't have as many repeat plant stockers as I would have thought. They were first timers. And I think that a lot of them came from, uh, from, from seeing What the Health mm. and, and a couple other of these new documentaries that are out there. But our, uh, you know, listen, I, we'll, we'll take anybody that can fog a mirror if they're really, if they're interested in, you know, um, saving and rescuing their health. Right. I mean, so when I hear that, I remember, I remember now that you, you asked that question and I was shocked at how many first timers there were. And I think over the course of the weekend, what happened, and I think, I think this was, it was consciously done is that they came as, as individuals and they uh, left yeah. as, as part of a community. And it's not yes. just the plant stock community, but a community of a like for when as they were driving out, it's like this weird, extreme lifestyle is now normal. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. normalized. Yeah, no, you hit the nail on the head there. One of the things that we we are trying to create, and it's not only with our events, but also you know uh, online. Uh, and you were one of our guest speakers. Is um, is a sense of community. Like, you know, we got the seven day rescue challenge group that we have 22,000 people and people feel like they're part of this amazing community, uh, this support community, this loving community that has no haters. Right. Mm -hmm. I mean, we have no room for haters or bashers or trolls uh, on uh, on the seven day rescue challenge private Facebook group. And, uh, and the same thing at these events. I mean, you know, it's. Um, yeah, I agree with you. You come and you're you're probably a little bit anxious, a little bit nervous, and you leave going, "Wow, you know what? I'm on the uh, I'm on the front of a pretty spectacular wave here." And uh, and this plant strong, this whole food plant based uh, lifestyle is going to become um, it's reaching a tipping point. And it's going to become the new the new normal pretty soon. Right. And and one of the things I noticed about the the scientific presentations is we, we in the plant-based community, those of us who, who are involved in research, we love to go down rabbit holes and, and we love to, to like argue the minutia. And it felt like this group was really focused on the simple top line, obvious stuff. Like you weren't really asking the scientists to justify their science as much as just popularize it. And it was just, just like you, you left going, well, this is so obvious. Right. I know. I know. Well, I mean, listen, you and I have been in this for a, a long time, been at this for a long time. And it's it, it is it is it is it's been so obvious to me for, forever. But uh, you're right. It's like, how do we how do we how do we allow other people to come to that same conclusion 
Uh, and, you know, we're just doing our best to just shove it in their face. Uh, and, and, and um, you know, maybe with some person it'll be, you know, oh, man, look at that, that graphic, that, you know, before and after angiogram. Wow. You're saying that, that that's reversible? With some people it might be, you know, listening to um, the Saudi prince talking about, you know, uh, wanting to relegate animal agriculture to the dustbin of history because it is so environmentally destructive, right? I mean, for some people, it might have been hearing Eric Adams, right? The borough president deliver his amazing uh, success story. I felt like, you know, I was I was going to stand up and yell Eric Adams for president. I mean, the guy was... (laughs) Guy yeah, was so amazing, right? And then you got Ken Ken Lander from Costa Rica, you know, who since um, January has lost what 116 pounds, and his cardiologist said, you know, have you gotten a new heart? Because this this is not the same heart that <laughs> that I that I was looking at six months ago. Uh, and it was just, I felt like at this plant stock, we were just like we were jabbing, 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 punch, jabbing, 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 punch, and you left there going, oh my god. Yes, this is this is it. I I, I see the light. <laughs> right, you, you you literally knocked sense into us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, but going going forward at this next plant stock, you know, I want to address some of the uh, some of the the basics. Like, well, all right, what do I do if I have a partner that's not supportive of this, and get somebody, um, you know, like a Doug Lyle or somebody that can do a little breakout session on that. You know, how do we how do I go out and, and eat this way? Because we all know you and I know how to do it. Right. But some of these um, these first these newbies, uh, you know, that's they have these pressing questions that they always uh, that oh, they always always seems to be repeated. Mm-hmm. You know, you know, they don't have supportive uh, husbands, partners, family, friends. How do I, you know, how do I eat out all these things? And so the next plant stock will address some of those. Right. And I loved how, you know, you, you basically had a parade of excuse busters. Right. Like yeah. I know, I know um, Tim Kaufman now has a podcast, something like the excuse yes. buster. But, you know, so you look at Tim, who's, you know, basically crippled, addicted to drugs, 500 pounds. And, you know, not with a lot of money and you see what he does and you go, oh, how good are my excuses now? Or you look at Josh Lajani, 420 pounds, college dropout, you know, living in the in the, in the bosom of unhealthy eating and and just Ken Lander, uh, Eric Adam, Adam, just, Sud. Adam, Adam Sud. Sud, yeah. right, yeah. Ad- yeah. Ad- addicted to uh, to Adderall and stealing and and just at the the bottom of the social heap and you look at all these people now so together so um you know metamorphosed but like i was saying like they're just they're hanging out with you and like i just felt like people were just losing their grip on their excuses right that mm-hmm. that their re- they saw that their reasons were actually excuses i can't do this because yeah and and so I'm thinking about you know the next one where you know oh I can't do this because my partner's not supportive. I'm sure you'll find someone who does it despite the fact that their partner wasn't supportive. Sure, absolutely. And um, no, you're right. You you hear 
one story after another, after another, after another. I think we had seven of them all in total, maybe eight, including um, Sarai Stanzik. But, you know, Sarai and Ken and Josh and Tim and Mylon Ross. And, uh, and, and all of a sudden you're like, all right, all right, all right, all right. I can do this. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, it's a it's I mean, a it's a beautiful barrage because uh, you know because people you know people would look at you and your dad and go well they're the Esselstyns right they're Olympians right. and professional athletes and you know you know I um, you know one of the things I loved was sort of, uh, I can't remember which Esselstyn put up this slide I think it might have been um, your Jane. sister about yeah. all, all the you know, all your terrible genes yeah yeah yeah. It's like, yeah, do you want our genes? Look at our genes, you know, and you've got heart disease, cancer, you've got, you know, uh, type 2 diabetes everywhere, just strewn throughout our grandparents, aunts, uncles. Uh, yeah, and then, and then it's, it's very telling. And then you look at Ann and Essie, right? You know, almost in their mid-80s now, not on one medication, uh, leading full, incredibly active lives. And same thing with my brothers and sisters. And I think it's a testament to uh, the power of, you know, of the lifestyle. No doubt about it. Great. So before yeah. we go, I just want to check in with you about the Whole Foods Amazon thing. Mm. Right. Yeah. Those are two, two companies that I have very strong opinions about. And I'm conflicted because I love them both and I hate them both. And I hate that I love them. And, I, <laughs> <laughs> and you, you love know. that you hate them. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure about that. I have to think about that one. But, uh, you know, they're obviously incredibly successful. They've changed our culture in huge ways. And you're, you're positioned to ride what could be a really interesting wave. And I'm wondering, you know, first of all, what opportunities do you see and maybe what dangers? Mm -hmm. um, well, the opportunities... Um that I see is, so the end, the very, you know, kind of um, myopically for engine two and the engine two food line is that a lot more people will have access to these products that don't live within driving distance of a whole food market store. Um, so the, to me, it's just fantastic that this, these products will be available for people um, that, uh, that never have set foot in a whole food market store. So that's fantastic. The accessibility of it. Um, I think that, um, the dangers, um, you know, I don't, you know, I, my mind doesn't really work that way. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm See, not that's why, I'm not that's why your picture's on the burgers and mine isn't. <laughs> but no, I mean, I'm like, well, what are the bad things that can, that can happen here? I mean, if I was thinking maybe in somebody else's shoes, I would think about maybe, well, this could become a monopoly and, you know, what's going to happen to, you know, all these other, all these other potential stores. But I don't know. You know I just see this, I see this as being a, a true disruptor in this, in this segment. But how it's going to play out, you know, I have no idea. I'm not that smart. I'm, you know, I, I can't, I can't figure that out. We'll just have to see where where it goes. But I think it will make healthy e eating healthy a lot more accessible, ex accessible for people. You know, uh, the prices. Amazon's notorious for bringing down prices, and already, 
there's been lots of articles written about how the you know whole food prices have come down. I think on average like 16 percent since the acquisition that happened what less than a month ago now. You know the engine two products are going to be coming down uh, like substantially here over the next couple months. So in that respect, I think it's it's, it's really great. But like, what are some dangers that you see? I don't know. I'm thinking like, you know, sort of culturally or, yeah. you know, I know that Whole, Whole Foods um, in some respects has been a leader in, yeah. in ethical sourcing and, uh, you know, what what um, and in, in standards of, of food. And in some cases, they've been way behind communities demanding things like more transparency around the, you know, their animal agriculture chain and around sourcing locally. I guess... Uh, I don't think it matters what my what my worries are. Are are yeah. you so? There's the food line, but there's also you do a lot of education and coaching. Do you see Amazon as potential broadcast yeah. medium for your message? Um, I haven't I haven't thought about it like that. One of the things though I have thought about is it would be fantastic if uh, Amazon would do what Whole Foods is doing, and also start sending some of their employees team members to some immersion programs. Uh Um, You know, I think, I mean, I think that Amazon has somewhere in the neighborhood of 350,000 employees, if I'm not mistaken. And um, boy, a lot of them could use, um, use some help. And so that's an opportunity for people that are in this space that are, are, are educating people on this, on this, you know, on this subject. So, you know, there's probably some opportunity there. And then, um, um, you know, again, who knows, who knows what's out there, right? What opportunities will present themselves, but I'm sure there'll be lots. Right. Well, you're true to form. You've got your nose down working on what's <laughs> happening today and you'll, you're, uh, yeah. open yeah. to possibility. I'm, well, I'm, imagine, I'm imagining like a QR code on the back of, of the big bowl where they can, you know, put their phone to it and download, um, my beef with meat on Kindle or, or <laughs> the engine two diet. I know. I know. Yeah. So if that happens, that has nothing to do with me. That's just somebody else thinking about how that's going to, how that's going to happen. But, uh, that wouldn't that be fun? The, um, yeah, no, we're actually, we're starting a, uh, I'm going to Sedona Monday for a, for a seven day immersion, uh, program that I'm going to host for about 85 people. Um, and you know, we're, we're planning on offering, uh, a couple more next year and then the events. So, um, Right. Yeah, you know. Oh, what, what, one more question about the, yeah. the is it still going to be called plant stock? The one in, it, it is. Yeah, people. We've already got a, almost uh, 150 people signed up for next okay. year, but, and we're gonna we're gonna cut it off at 700. But I can tell you that um, yeah, we're calling it Camp Plant Stock. Okay, it's all the information is up on the website. If you go to engine2.com and click on events, and then click on um, Camp Plant Stock, gotcha. and. Uh, and there's another yeah, element to this, right? There's a uh, you're having a bunch of like great athletes coaching as a, as an additional program. Well, that's a that's a program that we're looking at doing. It's the performance retreat that would be in the same location. Okay. And that would and that would be in early early June. Um, and um, yes, you know it, because so many of the Esselstyns are so at, we we love um, we love movement. We love athletics. We, we're, we're so outdoorsy. We're like, you know, let's take our passion for, you know, running, biking, swimming, hiking, you know, rock climbing, all this stuff and have a, uh, 
have a performance retreat where we do a lot of activity and we have some lectures and, but we eat amazing food and, uh, and we, and we, you know, so we teach people the basics of why you want to eat this way to, uh, enhance your performance. And then we're just playing. We are playing hard, right? For five days. We are like, we're getting after it and we're sleeping hard. <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it, yeah. So teach these athletes that are out there. And we've talked about this a little bit, Howard, why you want to eat strong food to support your, your performance instead of weak food. That's basically going to take away from your performance. And the strong foods, as you and I know, are fruits, vegetables, whole grains, and beans. Right. That was one yeah. of the things that, uh, you know, that Doron mentioned in the, the, the podcast interview I did with him about his experience was the power of the really simple language that yes. you use, you know, strong foods versus weak foods, um, yeah. you know, why we don't include oil. And I think that's, that's kind of your gift to the movement is to take all the science and all the conclusions and just put it in terms that just are so freaking obvious and easy to understand. Well, again, it comes down to how do you make this accessible uh, and easy for people to, a pun intended here, digest? How do you make this accessible and easy for people to digest? And it's you got to make it simple. You got to make it tasty. Um, and, um, and you got to try and make it as obvious as possible. So that, you know, that's what I've been trying to do. And, and it, I think it, it, uh, it all, um, it gels well with my personality. Um, you know, I'm not a brainiac, right. Um, uh, um, but so yeah, that message is very authentic to me. Right. Yeah. And I, and I remember yeah. when, you know, so, um, I think the book that's now plant strong was called my beef with meat. Right. Yes. It, it used to be. Yes. Right. And it came, yeah. it came out almost at the same time, I think, as whole. Or right. Maybe. Um, and people would ask me, like people would come up and I'd give a talk and they'd say, which book should I get if I just want the basics? And I would say, my beef with meat is much more accessible. <laughs> I hope Colin doesn't uh, watch this. But. No. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, that's funny. Like, read that uh, first, then read the China study, then read, you know, that you're... Uh, yeah, you're yeah. you're writing yeah. the primer that brings people in. It's like the equivalent of forks over knives for readers. Well, I've had people say that, you know, engine engine two is basically like the China study, um, uh, the Cliff Notes version of the China study, which it's 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 not. But but uh, yeah, listen, you know, Colin did an amazing job with Tom with with the China study. You know, you and Colin did an amazing job with whole. Uh, but yeah, you know, it's a little bit, it's just, it's a different style, right. And, and a different message, but it, you know, and we all, you and Colin and, and me were, the great news is we're reaching people, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I'm reaching more of the, the firefighter types. <laughs> <laughs> right. yeah. Well, Rip, thank you so much. It's, it's been so great to, to finally connect with you on the podcast to, uh, to watch the evolution of your work and the, the amazing team you've put together and the spirit that's going out. And uh, I look forward to uh, being on the sidelines and in the chairs uh, and participating and, yeah. uh, and cheering on for a lot of years to come. I appreciate it, Howard. And I, I really, um, 
I really appreciate you coming to Plan Stock this year, the year before, I think maybe the two years before that. Twist and, my rubber um, arm. <laughs> yeah. And, um, and, and everything that you're giving back to the, uh, to the movement and giving it your all and what, what you have created. And, uh, and I, I want to personally right now invite you to come to, to Plan Stock, Camp Plan Stock in 2018. And uh, we'd, love to, we'd love to have you there. And, um, and then maybe after that, we can do another podcast. That'd be great. Yeah, someone would, someone would have to slash my tires to keep me away. All right. Love it. Love it. Uh, uh, all right, Rip. Th- thanks a lot. Appreciate it, Howard. Thanks. Take care. If you enjoyed this episode of the Plant Yourself podcast, please subscribe and leave a review on iTunes. For more information about the Big Change Program led by me and Josh Lajani, visit BigChangeProgram.com. And be sure to check out the show notes for today's episode with links to everything we talked about at plantyourself.com slash 237. If you're new to the show, you can catch up on 236 archived episodes over at plantyourself.com. And if you get the podcast, but not the Big Change Bulldog, my newsletter, you can sign up and also get the Slippery Slope report at plantyourself.com slash slippery dash slope. In addition to that iTunes review, other ways to support the show are to share this and other episodes on social media and to become a patron of the show with that ongoing contribution over at plantyourself.com. Look for the Patreon link. I got a new review last week from RN from NH, who says this is my number one podcast. Howard is a great interviewer, and I love his guests and the information he shares. Thank you, Howard, for the great work you do. RN from NH, thank you for taking the time to share that with us. In garden news, the new compost bin is coming along slowly. I'm such a cheapskate. I'm trying to use reclaimed lumber for all of it. So it's not going to be in Architectural Digest anytime soon. Maybe I'll go out and grab a few uh, shame photos to show you what kind of a woodworker I am. And uh, I'll toss them up on the on the blog for you to, for you to see. And uh, worst case scenario, laugh at me. And best case scenario, drive on over with some power tools and help me set this thing right. Uh, in running news, I did a good run on Sunday with Geo. We managed um, 12 miles, and the last two were kind of sprinty. The last mile, we were at, at seven even, which is to say a mile in just seven minutes. So that felt pretty good being able to do that after 11 miles uh, of running before then. So I feel like I'm coming back into um, competitive shape. All right. Thanks, thanks, thanks. Thanks to Will Ridenauer for allowing me to use Dance of Peace, Sabali Don. His beautiful song is the theme music for this show. And you can find more of Will's music at willridenauer.com. And thanks to all you beautiful Plant Yourself podcast patrons, viz. Kim Harrison, Lynn McClellan, Anthony Disson, Brittany Porter, Dominic Morrow, Barbara Whitney, Debbie Black, Amy Good, Amanda Hadley, Mary Jane Wheeler, Ellen Kennelly, Melissa Cobb, Rachel Barons, Christine Nielsen, Tina Sharf, Tina Ahern, Jen Volkanovsky, David Bizek, The Mysterious, Michelle X, Elizabeth Thumbly, Victoria Dolomanova, Leah Stroll, Alan Christensen, Colleen Peck, Michelle Andrew, Josina, Julianne Rowland, Stu Dolnick, Sarah Durkis, Ryan Sturkis, Kelly Cameron, Wayne Pedersen, Leanne Peterson, Janet Selby, Claire Adams, Tom Franzek, Jeanette Benham, Gila, Sarah David, Donahue, Blair Cyber, Dorona Vizov, Gio and Carolyn Argentati, Jody Friesner, Ruth Ann Thunderbrook, Misha Rosen, Michael Warbeck, the equally mysterious Tracy Z, Alicia Lemus, Rebecca Hughes, Val Lindman, with cinnamon, Nick Harper, Stephanie Halls, Miss Martha. Uh, uh, uh.
Martha Bergner, Nicole Ramsey, Susan Ahmad, Molly Levine, the inscrutable Harry R., Susan Lamberty, the panda vegan, Craig Kovic, Adam Sharp, Karen Burry, Heather Morgan, Ashley Corker, and Kelly Machia, Deanne Norton, Bonnie Lynch of Plant Happy Oregon, Sabine Kurtzels, Nigel Davies, Marion Blum, Teresa Copel, Shell Rutledge, Julian Rotkins, Breed O'Connell, Brian Sheridan, Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Hall. Oh, so many people. And I just have a little bit left. Okay. Shannon Hirschman, Kate Rolls, Linda Ayat, Julie Lang, Holm Hedegaard, and Isa Tuzinwa for your generous support of the podcast. That's it for this week. As always, be well, my friends.